Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back on the Belly Up Fantasy Live Show with a great Tuesday night edition for you all because we're going to be talking about the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation Charity Belly Up Bowl Tournament. Yeah, that's all one one sentence for you guys. But we have the mock draft for you today. It's a charity league that we are throwing we're you know our second year in a row that we are doing a charity league. last year was for saint jude this year for alex lemonade stand foundation to help raise money to help fight against childhood cancer so that's what we're doing the drafts are going on as we speak we're going to put the link up for you as this show goes on where you can sign up and join because there are still several spots available for all of you, which brings me to our special guest of the night. He is one of the contestants in a draft that's just completed. He actually drafted in my league, which was League Olivia, because we are naming all the leagues after at least one childhood cancer hero to keep the awareness up and going. So, Rick, how are you tonight? Thank you for joining the show. And tell everybody a little bit about yourself and why you decided to join our league. You bet. And thanks a lot for having me. Um, this is... Um... You know, one, I think it's important to um, not only have fun, but also to uh, give back. And so um, whenever there's a chance to do a charitable um, league like this, this is my second year doing this particular um, uh, league. So um, had a great time last year, did not win. So I'm coming back, coming back hard to come back and take that crown. But uh, most important, just to be able to help. And so I really appreciated the chance to do so. So. Thanks for what you're doing and, and, and the rest of the folks, um, you know, that are participating and more importantly, those running the league like yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, love having you on. Glad you're here with the second year in a row with us. We did We're doing things a little bit differently than we did last year. This year it is a best ball format. So that's why I thought it would be good for us to come on and do the mock draft with everybody. Last year was more of a redraft, huge tournament set up in the playoffs. This year, a little more straight to the point, sticking to your luck during the draft. Cause it is partly lucky. It's partly strategy, partly luck. Cause we have guys dropping like flies and we're drafted in early August. Before we get into all that, though, I got to introduce Adam and Chris. How are you guys doing tonight? 
Well, my NFL team is falling apart. I do it better than Adams, a Colts fan over here. <laughs> yeah, you guys got some brutal news. Quentin Nelson goes down. He's got apparently the same injuries as Carson Wentz. Uh, does he have the same timeline as Carson Wentz? As a result, when will Carson Wentz be back? Five to twelve weeks. I mean, that's that's a huge time span that we're talking about here, and it affects a lot of things. And it will be coming up in shows to come. You know, two weeks from now, we'll be back at eight thirty. We'll be talking about that a little bit more uh, before we get into tonight's draft though because i don't want tonight to go too long but i do need to give a shout out to our sponsor of the night which is manscaped as they always is because summer's here guys but are you are you ready to unveil your beach bod you're in luck if you're not because our friends at manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package which includes the lawnmower 4.0 you heard that right the 4.0 compliment your dad bod or six pack with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. So again, like I said, this is a best ball super flex tight end premium mock draft. We do include defenses and kickers, so we'll talk about that a little bit. That way you get a little bit of everything in today's show for all of you out there who may play still with defense and kickers. I know that's a thing that's kind of dying out a little bit, but it's still a thing. I promise you it's still, it's still out there. So we're going to follow along on the mock draft here to our, well, I guess, well, for me, it's on my right looking at the screen here, but I'm sure it's on everyone else's left. Cause you know, mirror image and it's all opposite and whatnot. So I'm going to get this thing started, but Adam, before you kick things off, when you went into this draft, was there anything in particular you had in mind that you wanted to attack? Um, no, I, I just wanted to uh, kind of let the board fall to me and, you know, just get the, the value where, wherever it was. You know, I'm not going to uh, make decisions about my draft before the draft starts. I'm going to, you know, play the situation as it kind of unfolds. Chris, was there anything you were looking at? Yeah, so this is a newer type of format for me. So I was kind of looking at the different options that I have. You know, typically as me draft, you want to go heavy running back early. But with this kind of setup, especially with the double quarterback option, you might be seeing quarterbacks fly off the board a little earlier than you anticipated. So maybe the guy you thought you had in your back pocket, maybe you don't have that in your back pocket. So that's kind of what I was thinking about going in here. All right, well, while Chris's pick is up, Rick, talk about your pick of Patrick Mahomes at the third spot. Chris McCaffrey and Derrick Henry went off at one and two. Yeah, I, I actually like to try to get a, at least a one quarterback in the first, and I try to go two quarterbacks and two running backs in the first four. Um, then I can start hammering away at the uh, wide receivers and tight ends. Yeah, I like that strategy. Again, this is super flex tight end premium. So when you're sitting there at the top three, like Rick is, you know you have a while before you're going to get the draft again. So this first round is probably your only real chance to get the elite quarterback unless you're – the rest of sleeper, which is drafting like this is a normal quarterback league, apparently. Because uh, <laughs> after that, Dalvin Cook came off the board. Alvin Kamara came off the board. Chris, you took Ezekiel Elliott. Why did you take Ezekiel Elliott at pick six there? I felt like while I was confident, um, you know, talking about the quarterback need, when Patrick Mahomes went as early as he did, I kind of felt like now there's, we're going to get to a tier where I might make a run at quarterback, but I'm not necessarily need to reach yet. I want to lock down that good back. And to me, Zeke's a breakout guy for a lot of ways. I think he's in shape. I think he's got opportunity to you know, be impactful in all three phases of the game. And I think the offensive line is pretty damn good. So I, I expect that you know, Zeke does it well for me. 
Ezekiel Elliott's one of my favorite guys this year because I think everyone's just discounting him because they're looking at Tony Pollard. For some reason, they think it's going to be his year to get heavily involved. You're, he's not going to get heavily involved when you have a motivated, in-shape, ready-to-go Ezekiel Elliott behind a healthy offensive line, behind a healthy Dak Prescott. We saw last year, even without Dak Prescott, that he was able to be a low-level RB1, granted, but a low-level RB1 on an offense that looked very dysfunctional at times with Andy Dalton. That's what we got to see with Ezekiel Elliott. I'm very big on him myself. Adam, you can talk about your pick, Travis Kelsey, while I try to make my selection. Yeah, uh, I mean, tight end is one of those positions where it's it's very um, feast or famine, uh, has has been said on this show. Um, there's four or five guys maybe that, you know, you can feel really good about week to week. And after that, uh, you know, you really have to go quantity, especially in a best ball. Um, so I just wanted the positional advantage. It sets me up to where I really only need to get one more tight end. Whereas I, I, you know, if I don't get one of these top guys, I would want to get at least, you know, somewhere between three or maybe four. Um, so that I, I have a high variance of getting uh, a good guy. So it's just really uh, allows for more picks to get someone else. Now, before Adam picked, it was Aaron, uh, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones all coming up. So a strong run running back. I like your pick there with Kelsey as a tight end premium league. I had to get, I got the back-to-back, which I liked having the back-to-back in this situation. It allowed me to get an elite quarterback still. And I was able to get my top positional player. So I went with Lamar Jackson, who is my number two quarterback over Kyler Murray, over Josh Allen. He has the weapons that he needs now to be able to get back to where he was throwing the football two years ago when he led the league in passing touchdowns. And I don't see why you'd bet against this guy going a third year in a row, getting over 1,000 rushing yards. Stephon Diggs is actually my number two receiver behind Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill went off at Team 11. I hate you, Team 11, just before I got a chance to. This is PPR League. so I have Stephon Diggs a little bit ahead of Devontae Adams because I'm expecting regression out of Adams in the touchdown department. Aaron Rodgers is not going to throw 48 touchdowns again this season. If he stays at his career touchdown rate, which is still phenomenal, it puts him at about 33, 34 touchdowns on the year. That's a 14-touchdown decrease Adams will have some of that. I'm going to go with Stephon Diggs, who I think could wind up being the number one target receiver for a second year in a row, given that I don't really care about Emmanuel Sanders. I don't really care about Gabriel Davis. I know Josh Allen's going to throw him the ball come hell or high water. After that, Devontae Adams went, and then we get back to Adam, who goes with Josh Allen with that next pick. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you kind of said a lot of what I would have to say uh, talking about Stephon Diggs. That's going to be a high-passing volume offense, and I, I want a piece of that. Um, Josh Allen, I am very happy to take as my, my QB three. I thought just with, you know, how much value was left on the board to wait a little bit longer for quarterback because the, definitely the run on running backs is uh, going to continue and, you know, I need to get value there, but the Josh Allen in the second round is just too much to pass up in a super flex. Yeah. Running backs are flying off the board after you and Josh Allen, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris. And then we get to Chris who goes Dak Prescott over Kyler Murray. Explain yourself, sir. Well, first of all, I got to promise MD nation. I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan. Although my draft picks show me otherwise, but I love this offense this year. You got a healthy offensive line. You got that returning on you know, a record pace. He was on last year starting off the season. I expect that you need actually even better in a lot of ways, because I think that he didn't have the touchdown production. I kind of expected from him last year. So I'm really excited about this offense, obviously. 
and I went with the quarterback. You know, I wanted it as, as my number three quarterback on my board. I have him higher than Josh Allen. I have him higher than Kyler Murray. So that's where I was trying to go with in that third round or second round. I All right. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. He was definitely on a record-breaking pace last year. It'll be interesting to see. You do have the save floor. You know, Kyler's going to run quite a bit, but I like the interesting take there where you're going with that. Uh, before we move on, I pause the draft there for a split second because I want to get make sure everyone is aware this is – for the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation Charity Belly Up Bowl. All you have to do is go to bellyupfantasysports.com and you can hit the Belly Up Bowl tab. And I'll take you to where you need to go. There's a sign-up form for you guys to go ahead and fill out. We will then be able to send you all the information to get you all signed up and good to go and donating to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation for childhood cancer so that's what we are doing this mock draft for this is the exact draft that you will be doing when you participate so come on and check it out we're trying to help you guys win with the different strategies different approaches that we have which is why we're all spread out in this draft as well okay so let's get back to it now we have rick he made a pick while uh chris was talking there as soon as i can get this thing back up on the screen here we go all right so rick you came back and you took Kyler Murray after Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Hopkins came off the board. So you started off with Patrick Holmes, Kyler Murray. You actually made your third pick in Darren Waller. So walk us through Murray and Darren Waller with your second and third round pick. Okay. Well, yeah, I actually thought Murray might be competing for the number one quarterback in the league this year. So um, getting a chance to get what is number one and possibly 1A or 1AB, I thought that was a, a good scamble to take. Uh, Waller coming to me, that might have been a stretch, and I'll probably pay for it when it comes time to searching for running backs. But uh, I wasn't expecting to be able to get one of the top three uh, tight ends, so I made the pick. Um, yes. Running backs is going to be tough, but uh, um, I think there'll be enough for me to be able to uh, at least get uh, RB1 uh, or RB12 um, in my next pick. Yeah, and you know what? This could be a situation where you decide, you know what, because of where I drafted at, because of the way the value is falling, that you could need to zag everybody else's zig. I do that all the time. We're just trying to find the extra value, and you decide, you know what? This Remember, this is best ball. So this is where you take your shots, you go for the upside, you worry about what your lineup's going to be later on, but those are the things you have to kind of take into consideration, when you're, especially when playing in big tournaments. Like This is a huge tournament we're talking about. You're playing in your league, you're trying to win your league, but you're also playing against what will hopefully be by the time we're done with it, 17 other leagues as well to get that top prize. So you have to take your chances there. I like that. You get Patrick Holmes, Kyler Murray, definitely two of the top five quarterbacks, I think almost guaranteed barring injury this year between those two. And then you have Darren Waller, who would be my number two tight end in a tight end premium league. So you're t- capitalizing on where this league is set up, being a super flex, being tight end premium. Uh between Kyler Murray and your Darren Waller pick, Joe Mixon, A.J. Brown, Calvin Ridley, George Kittle came off the board. Then after that, D.K. Metcalf, Antonio Gibson, and then we get the Chris's pick at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, we know how much of a fan of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire you are. Yeah, we, um, had, a, but, we had a big thing on this our last show. Yes. How much I am um, but, not a fan. That is sarcasm in case anybody couldn't detect that. Yes, we call it a hater. Um, anyway, so yeah, I think that when it comes to Clyde Edwards Hilaire for me, I expect him to be increasingly used as in the running game to think the offensive line is definitely upgraded. Um, and I also think I expect him to be a little bit more involved in the passing game. The Chiefs did really basically nothing to upgrade that second, you know, receiver position. They did lose Sammy Watkins. I'm not a huge Hardman fan. Um, so I think that you're gonna see, you know, this offense kind of 
be featured around Tyree Kill, you know, Travis Kelsey, and um, Clyde edwards Hilaire. So I'm excited. Adam, go ahead and talk about your pick. Yeah, so I went after uh, another controversial running back in Josh Jacobs. Um, he's someone who's been following a lot of falling on a lot of people's boards um, because you know they added another running back and because they decimated their offensive line and uh, Gruden's all over the place and you know just so much going on with the Raiders' offense, which I agree. But Jacobs is a really good running back. Um, he's still young. You know, I don't really see any signs of decline. Um, I, I think he's talented, and I, I just counted it out to get him at RB17. I mean, we can be, you know, oh, he's, he's not going to get targets because of, of Drake, and he's, you know, uh, there's going to be a little drop in efficiency because of the offensive line stuff. That can all be true. Um, I, I think the offensive line stuff for Jacobs himself was a little overblown because uh, at least Jackson was a better pass blocker than he was a run blocker anyways. Um, but with with Jacobs to get him at RB seventeen, that's perfectly fine for me. He's gonna fall, but not that much. Okay. I just want to thank Adam for bringing that point up about the Raiders' offensive line because people seem to forget Jacobs only averaged three point nine yards per carry last year. So this yeah. offensive line wasn't dominant. Um, so I you know I don't I I don't love the draft picks at all, and I don't love what necessarily the move you know what they're moving towards. But I have to go on back to really what they had last year wasn't that impressive. Love and Team 11 on the auto draft as they go Michael Thomas right after I made my couple of picks. That was phenomenal. Thank you for getting him off the board for us. Yeah, so after Adam went, Josh Jacobs, Allen Robinson came off the board. Team 11 all in on the wide receivers. They went Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson. This is PPR. This is best ball, so they're strong there. I came up, again, back-to-back here, capping off, got the 12th pick. Came back with Terry McLaurin and Chris Carson. I like the balance I'm developing here. Going with two guys that I think are going to be really highly productive, have a really good opportunity to outplay their ADP this season in particular. I especially like being able to pair up Terry McLaurin to Stephon Diggs, two big game type of guys as well when we're talking about this. Again, McLaurin, everyone's excited about McLaurin because of what he was able to do with just subpar quarterback, subpar offensive play calling. Now, the subpar offensive play calling, unfortunately, doesn't go away because we still have to deal with Scott Turner. But we know Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to give him opportunities down the field over and over and over again. That's the one thing that Terry McLaurin really hasn't had is that chance to be more of a big play guy, which is really his skill set. That was his main skill set coming out of Ohio State. He's developed greatly in every other facet of his game unexpectedly to some degree, but he can get back to being that big play guy that he was in college. And then Chris Carson, I'm a huge fan of this year. You're talking about a guy that I do believe has top 12 potential. The financial commitment they make to him this year, I think solidifies the usage in his favor. Yes. There's been some rhetoric about Pete Carroll wanting to run the ball more. We'll see how much that comes to fruition with Shane Waldron, who the offensive coordinator was passing offensive coordinator for the Rams. I don't know how much more he wants to run than they already do, but we know he'll be involved and we know he catches the ball. So he's one of the better all around backs out there. After that, like I said, Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper for Adam. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, you know, uh, the top target for Dak Prescott, at least for now, uh, CD lamb seems to be really coming for him, but he's not there yet. Uh, super consistent even without Dak last year. I believe in PPR, he didn't have a single game under 10. If he did, it was one or two. Um, hey, that's the consistency 
um, to, you know, at least have one guy that's stably in my starting lineup uh, so I can, you know, take some riskier shots at the position later is great. And uh, there is some upside there because he, you know, didn't have back all of last season. Um, so it's kind of hard to say how, how uh, Amari Cooper is going to fare with a full season of back playing, you know, potentially at that level. So, so Chris, I know you and I are both on the same page. I hope back really plays well. <laughs> yeah, I think that he's going to be uh, – No, you go ahead. I was going to say, I think he showed back he was coming back last year. I mean, he played through a, being hurt last year and was still very productive, despite mm-hmm. the subpar play like Dan kind of talked about last year from that offense in general. And I think that you add a healthy Jack Prescott – you have the weapons that you have in place. You can't double Amari Cooper, and this guy's a great route runner. Similar to Stephon Diggs, where he's kind of Josh Allen's go-to guy. My, Amari Cooper is that go-to guy. You know, C.D. Lamb is a more explosive player, but, you know, Amari Cooper is no slouch out there. And he's been borderline dominant almost over receiver one, I think, you know, year in, year out since he's got to Dallas. He still gets a bum, a bum rap from the Oakland days, and I think that, you know, people are kind of down on him as a result, but I think he gets forgotten about, you know, nine out of ten times, and he shouldn't. Well, the other thing I want to say, too, Amari Cooper, he uh, should be healthy. They've been raving about how his rehab's been going. The strength coach has been very happy about his progress, where he's at uh, as far as his injury coming back off the surgery. Everyone expects him to be 100% come week one and has been raving about that. So it makes me feel good because with Amari Cooper, you always have those lower extremity injuries that you kind of have to worry about. It's good that everyone seems to be on the same page, that he is okay in his development. After that, Team 9 goes Mike Evans. Team 8 goes Julio Jones. Team 7, the all-running back team so far, where they have Saquon, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, and follow that up with Miles Sanders, almost being rivaled by Chris, who goes another running back, David Montgomery. Chris, why would you go David Montgomery in the fourth round here? I think it's excellent value. I mean, while I'm down on David Montgomery in some senses because I'm not thrilled that uh, Nagy's taking it back over play calling, um, I do think that... He should. He just showed basically he's the best back in that backfield. Terry Cohen's having some issues coming back from his injury from last year. They did add Damian Williams, you know, coming vulture some touches. But overall, Montgomery is the guy. And I think when Fields takes over, this offensive will take kind of jump off with it. And I like his second half aspect of you know, him kind of being a go-to guy in my roster. And then I also like the fact that he's involved heavily in the passing game. So without Terry Cohen basically stealing those opportunities. This guy had 57 catches last year. I expect that to kind of be around the same range, and he's able to be effective. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I was hoping that he'd make it back to me because um, he was the closest to an RB one, and um, so as a, as a result, I had to really take a reach on Miles Gaskin, who is going to get a lot of um, you know volume, but um, is definitely not you know at the level of David Montgomery. So I was a little disappointed when Chris grabbed him. Yeah, it's that it's that uh, toying notion you have going on because you have Matt Nagy who's constantly talking up. David Montgomery's going to get 20 carries a game. Now, that's not actually going to come to fruition because he gets 20 carries a game. He's on Derrick Henry's level where he's getting over 300. He's not going to get over 300 carries this year. But it's good to know they at least want to utilize him. And it's inevitable that Justin Fields takes over, which will also benefit David Montgomery's efficiency too. Uh, after that, Travis Etienne came off the board. Daryl Henderson came off the board. Rick, talk about Miles Gaskin pick a little bit. What specifically about Miles Gaskin in his volume appeals to you in this situation? Well, while they do have a couple of other running backs um, like um, uh, Salvan Ahmed, um, and uh, they did bring in, um, gee, the, the guy uh, drawing the blank on him, but Malcolm um, Brown. I think, yeah, Malcolm Brown got it. Um, I think that 
Gaskins is going to carry the load. Um, I think that offense is on the move up. Uh, they've made some steps to improve the line. I think that, um, you know, it's, you know, of what was on the board. And as you can see, I went to CD lamb after that, um, you know, the, the running back supply is going to be pretty bare at this point. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, it is. And I like Miles Gaskin there. Again, you're taking a guy who maybe doesn't have the same skill set as some of these elite guys, but should get a lot of passing volume in the PPR league, which should keep him at least competitive with other RB1s out there. But you went strong at quarterback. You went strong at tight end. So it's okay to take guys like this at running back where you're Oh, and it's not a zero running back strategy, but you're getting guys who are going to be able to keep competitive based on the scoring format. Chris Goblin comes off the board after that. Kyle Pitts comes off the board after that. That's way too high for Kyle Pitts. That's for another show, though, because I'll get into a whole diatribe about that. <laughs> Cooper Cup, Russell Wilson, and then we come back to CeeDee Lamb. I like the CeeDee Lamb pairing a lot there because what you have on your hands is a guy who has the skill set of the wide receiver one and Amari Cooper, who does tend to get banged up here and there. If he was to miss any time, sky's the limit for CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott. That's what you were thinking, right, Rick? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that um, one, yeah, I think Cooper is going to do well because, you know, this is his, um, you know, he's playing for a contract. Uh, I think he also mentioned along with that he's healing up, that he also lost some weight. Uh, so I think he's going to have a big year. Um, but I, I just – everything I've seen in the practices, C.D. Lamb is just tearing it up right now. So um, I think that, you know, he, he may jump into the, uh, the top tier of, uh, of wide receivers. Yeah, I feel like he's just a stud in the making. So then after that went Mark Andrews, D.J. Moore – and then Chris comes back because he doesn't believe in wide receivers at all and goes with Chase Edmonds in the fifth-round pick. Chris, explain your Chase Edmonds pick there. Well, first of all, I'm a big Chase Edmonds fan going into this year. I know a lot of people are worried about James Conner. I'm not. Um, James Conner had the opportunity to be the man in Pittsburgh the last two, three years, and Benny Snell took his job. So I do think Chase Edmonds is a better player. I think that he was highly effective in the passing game last year. I don't think the addition at receiver actually hurts them. I think it helps them in some senses because they're actually able to move the ball more consistently. So I'm excited about Chase Edmond. And I'm going with what I think is the best players on the board right now. There's a lot of different receivers that I like, but I kind of value them very similarly. Where at running back, I just, you know, it's kind of getting to the end where, where guys are worth, you know, just reach and trying to find somebody. And Chris is like, I have them all. I have them all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, look, I like it. start four or five of them. So, I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah, no, it's valid. You can because you have the double. We have the two flexes along with the super flex, so you can start 
four running backs. I would think you'd want to start two quarterbacks in that super flex spot, but you know, you could start up the five potentially. Uh, I do like him quite a bit. I think people are making too much of James Conner being the next Kenyon Drake. They didn't pay him that way. He's not that explosive. And they keep saying Chase Edmonds will get his opportunity to potentially be the RB1. So then Team 7 goes Robert Woods. Team 8 goes Jamar Chase. Team 9 goes Adam Thielen. So we saw a run at receiver. And then Adam, I'm not going to distract you too much because you're on the board trying to make your next pick. But he goes Justin Herbert. You are going to have to explain yourself, sir, because you have two people who do not believe in Justin Herbert on this show, presently speaking. So explain why you go Justin Herbert there over a lot of other people, I guess, after you make this pick. Or do you have it yet? I just made it. All right. Okay. (laughs) Justin Herbert, um, you know, I I just – I was excited when he he got past – Chris, uh, I know that you guys aren't big on him, but I just think at this point uh, the value's starting to get there. Um, I could see uh, questionable it being a bit questionable whether you'd have uh, Rodgers, Brady, or him. Um, Brady's a really good one. That's where I went um, in my own draft in our, our best ball league was with Brady instead. Um, but Herbert's a really good young player. I think uh, kind of what you guys were talking about earlier, that it's a tournament. I'm going after upside. Brady's 40-ish touchdowns, 10 picks is already factored in. Um, Herbert, I'm just going to chase the upside. Uh, I don't know that, you know, if, if he was a QB1 as a rookie, what could he be? He might fall flat on his face. I don't know. I'm just going to make an aggressive pick in the hope that, you know, this is a we're not talking Baker Mayfield second year. We're talking, uh, I don't know, like Andrew Lux. Look, here's what I'll give you. The volume will be there. They're going to throw the ball ton. They bring in Joe Lombardi. But I think a coaching change in his second year of a quarterback matters. I think the fact that teams started to figure out that once you start to take Keenan Allen away, he wasn't really reading the rest of the field all that well. And you saw the dip in his production towards the latter half of the season on top of it. So I think all that kind of gets factored. That's why I have Justin Herbert actually ranked as my QB 14. I'm expecting a little bit of a sophomore slump. Not fall, not, I don't have him falling on his face like Baker Mayfield did because, again, the volume will just be there, and they'll still be a pass-first team. But I do expect a little bit of a sophomore slump out of Justin Herbert. That's why I just wanted you to explain yourself. That's all. After that, TJ Hawkinson comes off the board, one of my favorite tight ends, so Team 11 going all in on the PPR, and then got to me my back-to-back picks. The fact that Tyler Lockett falls to me here in the fifth round, I'm giddy over that. I, I know people just hate, hate Tyler Lockett because of the inconsistencies that he had. He still had 100 catches. And when you're talking about a best ball league, a guy who can just explode for games, who is better? Who is better than a Tyler Lockett in a best ball league in the fifth round, a guy who's going to be, if he's not the most targeted receiver on that team, he's the second most targeted on a, on a passing attack that features really two guys heavily. So that's where I'm big on these guys myself. That's why I love Tyler Lockett. He had 100 receptions last year. He gets another big contract. They are playing on feature him again. Then I brought it up. I get Jalen Hurts as my second quarterback to Lamar Jackson. I love that with this being best ball. I have two rushing quarterbacks of that nature. Jalen Hurts is actually my QB7 just because I think he's going to be third behind Lamar Jackson, behind Kyler Murray when it comes to rushing yards for the quarterback position. I'm just going off of that, basically. So after that, we had Kareem Hunt, Deontay Johnson for Adam. So Adam, talk about Deontay Johnson at that pick. 
Yeah, I know a lot of people are going with uh, just just grab the last receiver of the the Steelers receivers, and to an extent, I would agree with that. Uh, but for me, it's I, I'm avoiding Claypool, um, and I'm going in PPR. I'll touch Juju. Otherwise, I don't want him. Standard, I would not touch Juju. But I, I like Deontay. I, I think uh, you know they're starting to build up a pretty good, um, good, pretty good chemistry. He played really well for me last season in, in the couple leagues that I rostered him, um, and I, I'm ready to dip back into it. I think in the uh, sixth round, value is more than fine for for uh, my liking. What do you think, Chris? Well, I, I want to curse both you and Adam for taking the receivers that I was expecting to have fall to me, at least one of those guys. Um, yeah, I no, love Tyler Lockett, no, no. and I also love Deont- I also love Deontay Johnson. I think Deontay Johnson has a lot of similar skill sets to Stephon Diggs, and I expect him to kind of make this jump this, in his you know this year in Pittsburgh's offense. I think you, you know we're going to talk a little bit coming up about some of our sleepers on some of our shows, but just to give you a little teaser. I think Ben Roethlisberger has been forgotten about. And I think that Deontay Johnson is going to get a, is number one receiver clearly in that offense. I don't think it's even debate. Juju had his day. He got a one-year, $8 million deal. Claypool, I think, is upcoming, and I love him. But Deontay Johnson is the Antonio Brown, is that Stephon Diggs type. And I expect him to be very well, very good, especially in PPR. Yeah, I tend to agree. After that, Javante Williams off the board. Kenny Galladay, who might be dealing with a hamstring injury, comes off the board there. We're going to have to find out more about that. Devonta Smith for Team 7, and then it goes back to Chris, who goes Aaron Rodgers for his second quarterback to pair up with Dak Prescott. Yeah, with the receivers off the board that I was kind of looking at, and you know, I said I want to make sure I lock down that second quarterback, and I think people are you know expecting Aaron Rodgers to kind of have regression because he's supposed to. I don't believe in that, and I don't subscribe to that this year. I think Devontae Adams isn't going to get any slower. I think he's still going to get open. I think that you know Aaron Rodgers, from everything I hear, even without any having any kind of you know, OTA type of action, has been dominant in camp, and it's razor sharp throwing no-look passes. So I expect Aaron Rodgers to be a spectacular quarterback this year because I think he has something to prove. I'll never bet against Aaron Rodgers because he has something to prove, and I think last year was just a taste of what we're to, what's to come. So you expect him to repeat his career highs, especially 48 touchdowns, which he never even sniffed close to before? So I, I do it in a lot of ways because I look at him and his career kind of where he is as a healthier Peyton Manning. We saw Peyton Manning have that second resurgence in Denver and have that 50-touchdown season, and a lot of that was because he had good players around him and he knew what to kind of look for for his one-on-one. Aaron Rodgers knows his offense. He showed that last year. He's got enough weapons to kind of make it go. And I think it was, you know, he's going to have something, an axe to grind, so to speak, for Green Bay. He's going to want them to miss him. And I think that when you look at this guy who's a motivated quarterback, who's still a fantastic athlete and should be healthy most of the season this year, I expect him to be not only just what he did last year, maybe even improve. So that is called a bold take right there. There's no <laughs> way he repeats 48 touchdowns. James Robinson, Odell Beckham come off the board after that. We get back to Rick. Who gets Mike Davis, which really that's that's nice value for a guy staring down the barrel of a ton of volume. Yeah, and also, you know, he's a, a pretty strong RB2. Now, he won't do what he did in Carolina, uh, although even if you look at what happened in Carolina, he kind of tailed off. So there are some questions whether he's going to be able to carry a heavy load, but um, he's definitely going to be the RB1 there. Um, he'll get some, you know, work, uh, mostly a passing team. So maybe that takes a little bit of the pressure off of him as the RB1 there. Um, then I, I saw Higgins. I was really hoping I was going to get him. Um, I like Claypool, though, especially in a best ball type situation. Um, I think he's going to be 
um, the, the long guy on the team. And so, um, you know, I think he'll be able to get some points. I'm actually pretty happy with the way the draft has been rolling out for me right now. Yeah, I kind of like your team too. You you got your core. Now you're taking your very good selected shots at different things that you need to target. We're going to get top running backs, but you get guys who are going to catch the ball. Mike Davis, Miles Gaston, they're going to catch the ball quite a bit. So you'll be able to stay competitive there. Uh, didn't get necessarily the top receivers because you got the two top quarterbacks and a top tight end, but you get two guys who any given day can win you an entire week. And that's what best ball is all about. So I like where you're going with that with that lineup. Just in between those picks, keep everybody up to date. Brandon, after Mike Davis went Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, which you talked about. Yeah, losing out to T. Higgins, that would have been nice value there. DJ Chark came back, and then Cortland Sutton. After that went Leonard Fournette, which that's in Team 4. That's insanely high in the best ball league to go Leonard Fournette, the seventh-round pick. That's just dumb beyond belief. Noah Fant at Team 5, and then I'll put the clock back on for Chris. While he's making his pick, I want to put this out there again. This is for the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation Charity Bowl for Belly Up. This is our second annual Charity Bowl. All you got to do to sign up is go to bellyupfantasysports.com. You'll see the Belly Up Bowl tab there. Fill out the form. We'll be able to send you all the information. It's a big-time tournament with prizes. So all you got to do is sign up today. We have plenty of spots open. We have drafts going on now. It's best ball, so you don't have to worry about maintaining your league throughout the year or anything like that. All you got to do is show up and draft and have some fun. The guys have been really doing, have really been having a lot of fun in the chats, and it's been a great, great time getting to know everybody as well. Okay, so while I was talking about that, Chris, you had your pick. You came back with, if I can pull it up here, a third quarterback Chris is going zero receiver for an entire best ball draft. He comes back with a third quarterback and Tom Brady. Explain yourself, sir. Yeah, so when it comes, you know, all excited about Aaron Rodgers, I'm equally excited about Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is the second year the all quarterbacks. Give me them all. I mean, I'll, right now, yeah. With the offenses, the way they are able to move the ball, and the passing game is as effective as it has been, and the weapons they have in place, Tom Brady's going to have three – Borderline Pro Bowl, borderline Hall of Fame receivers to throw the ball to. Antonio Brown is definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. Mike Evans is, I think, on his way to being in the Hall of Fame. And Chris Godwin might not have finished his career in Tampa Bay, but he'll at least be a guy that gets actually some votes to maybe make it. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. He's going to be a hell of a player over his career. So you have those kind of weapons. You have tight ends going to the Hall of Fame in Gronkowski. You have OJ Howard. You have guys, Kevin Bate backing him up. You added Giovanni Bernard. I think Tom Brady is set up to have one of those historic seasons. And I talk about a bold take. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay tries to go undefeated this year. I think that's how Tom Brady wants to go out. And I think that's what he's trying to do. And I think this is where his, he's going to try to go balls, you know, balls to the wall in a sense this year and try to be this team that's going to be dominant. I think this offense is going to be dominant. I love that because that would, what would be more of the ultimate shtick than, hey, guess what, Belichick? I went undefeated and won a Super Bowl. That would be the ultimate. Not going to happen, but I like where your head's at. I do like Tom Brady a lot this year, too. He is in my top 10 quarterbacks, but really, I'm curious to see what you're going to do at wide receiver the rest of the way. After that, Juju Smith-Schuster comes off the board. Dallas Goddard, Melvin Gordon, and then we get to Adam, who takes... I hate you, Adam. You sniped me because you took one of my favorite best ball running backs there at the seventh round in Raheem Mostert. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be someone who I... I want in every week and he's someone who for that reason, you know, in your redraft leagues might not be a, a prime target of uh, in best ball. I'm thrilled to take the highs of Raheem Mostert uh, throughout the season. And, you know, the 
the downs don't hurt me. You know, uh, I'll have someone else hopefully to fill in um, for those times. Uh, but yeah, uh, the highs, I'm very happy to go ahead and take in the seventh round. Yeah, I hate you just because uh, I'm going to take his handcuffs when he eventually gets ah. hurt. At least I'll still get the points there. So after that, Ronald Jones came off the board. I don't know why these two Tampa Bay running backs came off the board in the seventh round. It's completely insane to think that any one of these guys can be trusted, especially not there. Uh, I know it's best balls. So you don't have to necessarily pick out when they're going to do well, but I mean, I took Ronald Jones, Rick, I believe, in our league, but it was like the 10th round by the time I took him. It was somewhere in that territory. So a little high there, a little surprising. I came back, went running back, back to back, because I only had Chris Carson to this point so far. Remember, take Michael Carter. I'm big on Michael Carter this year. I love him in the, you know, Shanahan-esque system with the New York Jets. The biggest thing about Michael Carter isn't even Michael Carter himself. And I'll get to that in a minute. But it's the offensive line. The Jets' offensive line, people don't realize, is going to be very, very good this year. You have your two rookies, your young, two young studs, one rookie and Tucker. Then you also add Morgan Moses. That's going to be a very good offensive line with a very good offensive scheme. Michael Carter, love him. He's going to be the main pass catcher. Trey Sermon, I'm just waiting until Raheem Mostert gets hurt, which is inevitable. And he'll be in a great system and a great situation as well. After that, Team 11 goes Trevor Lawrence, gets their first quarterback in the eighth round. Not a lot of quarterbacks coming up in this mock draft. It's a little bit weird being a super flex. I don't know what Sleeper's doing here. But Adam comes back with Jerry Judy, who's a very interesting wide receiver to me. So, Adam, this is best ball. So you're going to you're trying to shoot for the stars. You think that's going to happen given whoever the quarterback is in Denver? Um, I mean, I'm first of all, I'm praying it's Bridgewater uh, with this pick. Um yeah, I mean, Bridgewater's gotten it to his guys. This is, uh, you know, we've got some PPR going, and I, I think he's one of the best uh, young route runners in the league. He was my wide receiver, too, coming out of his draft class. Um, there, there's just so much to like about Judy. Uh, I'm The hands thing just doesn't bother me at all. Um, I, I think he'll figure it out. Um, that That's not something that – I saw at least to that extent coming out, and I, I think some of it's overblown. Um, Drew Locke is not – barely he's barely an NFL quarterback to me, to be frank. Uh, I, I don't see anything in him really outside of a pretty strong arm. Um, so I'm not too concerned about, one, him posing a threat to Bridgewater, or two, um, you know, the what happened last year with Judy. But uh, Bridgewater's not a great quarterback. But at the end of the day, in that division with, um, you know, my team's already betting on the Chargers having a good offense. We know that the Chiefs are going to have a good offense. Whether they want to or not, the Broncos are going to have to throw the ball at some point. And when they do, I think nine times out of ten, it's going to be the Judy. I think if Teddy Bridgewater plays especially, that would be a great uptick for Jerry Judy because that's going to be the area of the field in which he's going to target most of the time. Judy's a stud. He's one of the best route runners out there. He's got. I'm not worried about him catching balls either. He's a stud. I like to pick. Team nine goes with Mike Kosicki. Team eight, Jalen Waddle, and then team seven, James Conner. Chris finally takes his first receiver off the board and goes with the Antonio Brown, Tommy, uh, Tom Brady stack. Talk about that at the eighth round, Chris. Yeah, I think a lot of people have underestimated Antonio Brown's production at the end of the last year. And I think that people are kind of forgetting that this guy is one of the top receivers in the game. He might not be nearly as explosive as he was, but he still gets runs, break routes. He gets open consistently, and Tom Brady trusts him. Those things are all very important to me. 
And Antonio Brown basically, to me, took over as that true slot guy for Tampa Bay last year and was moved around a lot of the field. And he played outside, played inside. But he was definitely the guy that they, they focused on getting the ball, especially in the quick little routes. So I love him for PPR purposes. I need to make sure I added a receiver soon. So I think this is a guy has a good floor and maybe have some upside. It was at a receiver like three rounds ago, but you did get a decent one. Finally, Kenyon Drake, team five. Team. We'll see how through the season. <laughs> Robbie Anderson, team four. And then we get back to Rick. Take it, Damian Harris. I love the value there, the eighth round, Rick. Yeah, it's, he's going to get use, and and um, he looked good last year. Um, again, at this point, you're just trying to find some sort of upside. So he was an upside pick. I actually, when I looked at it, I should have taken – um, the wide receiver first and hoped that he was swung around because I was really looking at both Debo and, and LaVisca, but um, I took Fuller. Fuller is probably uh, another one of those upside. You know, he's got the one game suspension, so people have been shying away from him, but um, when he's on the field, he's going to stretch the field, and so I'm looking again for guys that are going to be scoring some points for me. Yeah, I mean, he he's going to hit home runs. I like actually the Will fuller Claypool combination there because it's like one of those guys should have a big week for you. I believe Will Fuller when he's on the field is going to be the number one receiver for the Miami Dolphins. I think you're going to get targets that will go along with it. Damien Harris, he's just a conundrum. It's do the Patriots actually let this man just be? Do they let him be the running back or do they have to plug in you know, Ramondre Stevenson, do they have to plug in James White? Do they have to plug? I'm, I'm expecting to get cut, but do they have to plug in a Sony Michelle just because he's on the roster for now? That remains to be seen, but they did go to him quite a bit at the end of last season. He did have a nice run. I don't know if he's going to get the receptions, but he is a guy who has some upside. And if they stick with Cam Newton, they're going to go two tight ends. That's going to be a heavy run team. So there is the upside there. Like you talked about, Debo Samuel went next. Joe Burrow, Leviska Chenault, Brandon Cooks. We get back to your pick with Will Fuller. And then David Johnson comes off the board, Jarvis Landry. And then we get back to Chris, finally realizing he needs receivers and follows it up with Elijah Moore, which I kind of like there in the ninth round. Yeah, I'm going for the upside. I'm ex- I don't expect this guy to be necessarily productive to start the season, but I think by far he's one of the more talented receivers in the Jets receiving core. I love Zach Wilson as a quarterback prospect. And I think that when you have a guy that likes to throw the ball and you have a slot receiver who likes to get, gets open and explosive, that's a good marriage in PPR. So I'm looking for the upside as we move forward. Like I said, in the first couple of weeks, I'm not expecting the big games, but as the season ends, I think that as they you know, wrap it up, this playoff victory, I'll have Elijah Moore to kind of thank. I don't know if there's been a player this training camp has gotten more hype than Elijah Moore has every single day. Now, I don't know if it's part of the Jets and they just haven't had any hope in a really long time or what the case may be, but they are hyping him up every single day to start, but he is now getting reps exclusively with the first team. So there's reason to believe that he is going to be one of the three starting wide receivers, especially with Denzel Mims going the opposite direction. Apparently he's with the third stringers now. So we might actually see Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, and uh, Corey Davis on the field at the same time or a Keelan Cole kind of getting mixed in there. That might be the top four receivers the Jets are going with. If that's the case, Elijah Moore is the big play threat in that scenario. I do like it quite a bit for a best ball league there. Team 7 follows it up with Marquise Brown, who actually just got injured. He's going to miss some precious time. Rashad Bateman's going to be getting a lot of his reps. So that'll be interesting to kind of see. Plus, I just don't like Baltimore wide receivers. I don't think any of them have a ton of upside. He's the one guy you were thinking best ball, hit or miss. But again, I'm not going to trust any of the volume really heading out of that team. Uh, team eight goes Rob Gronkowski after getting Dallas Goddard. I'm, not, I'm out on, on Gronk this year because I, I think it is going to be 
such a heavy influx for the three wide receivers. That's going to take away from Gronk's ability to really demand targets. And OJ Howard being back healthy is going to play a big role in that too, where he's not going to go away. He's going to be on the field. Uh, Adam, you finally make your pick because I was delaying for you. Matthew Stafford <laughs> goes up and then we have Adam here going with Gus Edwards. Yeah, there were there were three guys I was kind of in between, so it was taking me a little longer. But uh, Gus Edwards, I, I think at, at worst, he's someone that's going to be in a run-heavy offense um, and will have a lot of a goal line opportunities. He's almost 240 pounds um, and has still been an efficient back, has been above five yards per carry every single season. Um, just, uh, you know, talented, consistent back, but also someone who – you know, if they use him on the goal line, which, you know, with Ingram now gone, um, could be the case a little more often. You know, last season that you saw his touchdowns rise a little bit. Um, you know, I I think he's going to take over that Mark Ingram role. Now with Dobbins, you know, that's only going to do so well. But, you know, all he has to do is pair in for, um, for Mostert's bad weeks. And I, I feel pretty confident he can do that. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have a safe floor. We know he's going to get 8 to 12 carries any given week, uh, may get a touchdown, but just the zero in the passing game part is where, I don't know, Adam. I don't know if I like that pick too much in that spot there, but we'll get back to it at the end of the draft when we start grading everybody's out. Ryan Tannehill goes in between, and then I get the back-to-back. I go with my tight end sleeper of the year, mark it down, top seven guy, Tyler Higby, for the Rams with Matthew Stafford and improved offense in general for the Rams. No Gerald Everett. I love, 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 love Tyler Higby this season. Big on him, especially in these tight end premium leagues where he's going to be looking at quite a bit of volume, I believe, as well. And then I back that up with Zach Moss because we're getting to that area where the running backs are about to drop off. Zach Moss, I do believe, will be the RB1 for Buffalo, even though he will be in a split there with Devin Singletary. However, the difference between a Zach Moss and a Devin Singletary is that the Buffalo Bills clearly trust or want to trust Zach Moss in the pass game a little bit more. So I'm going to take that upside in a full-point PPR league. After that, Logan Thomas, Naeem Hines for Adam taking his one Colts guy. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, I, I was thinking before that I, I wanted to pair uh, Edwards and Hines together. Um, so it, it was funny to get Hines after you <laughs> uh, bashed on Edwards a little bit for not being a pass-catching guy. So we'll get someone who is a, a pure pass-catching guy. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, this this pick could go either way, just, I mean, depending on the severity of the, the uh, Wentz injury. Um, I'm not super confident in Eason being great for Hines for very long just because I'm, you know, he, 
Eason doesn't have great touch, or at least he didn't in college. You know, maybe somehow he's developed that over the past uh, year, but I'm not holding my breath for it. Uh, so that, you know, that's not something I should be holding my breath for for, for Wentz for, uh, to do. But, you know, here this is where we are. I think Hines is a great talent. Um, Mac coming back, it doesn't worry me for Hines, really. Um, you know, it, it. I think that, if he's going to cut into anyone, it's going to be the, the more carry-dependent guys. I really barely think he hurts Taylor, but uh, kiss Wilkins goodbye, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, Hines, in a full-point PPR league, I'll take my chances. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's actually kind of interesting. The worse that offensive line gets, the more Naeem Hines might have to play because they might have mm-hmm. to go back to more shotgun. He might have to be the guy to go get some screens. So kind of interesting in that standpoint. We go to Team 9, Rashad Bateman. Team 8 taking a shot on Deshaun Watson in the 10th round. I do think it's interesting in a best ball league being that he's still not on the commissioner's exempt list. I have a hard time, even though Houston's you know not letting him do anything, and he actually wasn't at the practice field today. I have a hard time believing he's not going to be on the playing field if he's not suspended this season. So that's an interesting pick there and a super flex lead to get some value. Team seven goes Irv Smith, Chris, Tyler Boyd. What do you think about Tyler Boyd? He gets left out a lot in the Cincinnati wide receiver conversation. He really does. And I think in the PPR league, he's going to, you know, kind of the forgotten about man for that Cincinnati offense. He's a primary, you know, threat for that offense in the side of the slot. They do have the big play receivers. And um, Jason Higgins on the outside, but I think that you kind of saw last year this receiving game has kind of a setup, you know, a hierarchy of who gets the ball where. And similar to the Rams, you saw certain routes run by certain guys. So I think that you know this guy has a Tyler Boyd has a guy that gets that underneath that quick route, that quick option route. So I think Joe Burrow kind of showed that they, you know since they had a high volume team last year passing, they're in a tough division. Um, so I like this upside for him, and I'm excited that you know people kind of forgot about. Him. Team five takes Justin Fields, their first quarterback in the 10th round in a super flex lead. That's a little bit risky. Being we don't know exactly when Fields is going to take over. Team four follows that up with Matt Ryan. Then we get back to Rick, who takes A.J. Dillon, one of the top handcuffs of the year, in the 10th round. Yeah, he's a handcuff, but I think he also has value on his own as well. I think that we're going to try to not overuse Jones, especially early on. And so um, it's going to be a little bit longer season. Um, so I'm expecting uh, A.J. Dillon to get in there, um, obviously not doing what uh, Jamal Williams is doing. Um, I don't think he's a big pass catcher, um, but I think he'll see some goal line work. Um, he's a load, so uh, I wanted to bring him on the team. Uh, then rolled around and uh, took Troutman. Um, New Orleans doesn't have receivers. In fact, I think Ty Montgomery is going to be used in a receiver's role. So um, yeah. and. Without Cook there, um, the, the job's Troutman's, and I think he's going to do um, a pretty decent job. Yeah, Adam Troutman is my second best sleeper tight end this year. Love him quite a bit. Loved him even before uh, the Michael Thomas thing all happened. Traquan Smith even got banged up a little bit today. Receivers just going downhill fast for the Saints, but Adam Troutman, nothing else. It's going to be the no- number one red zone target. I do think it's kind of interesting to see how the Packers use A.J. Dillon with Aaron Because Aaron Jones has been great in the red zone. So I have a hard time believing they're going to just completely take him out of that role. But A.J. Dillon is a monster, like you said. I wouldn't be surprised if he does get utilized quite a bit in the red zone. So I'm kind of with you. I think he will be a guy that you will be utilized as a flex, even when Jones is there. But we know Jones, who gets banged up, and he misses a couple games here and there, you're going to have big time there with, with A.J. Dillon uh, raring to go. 
after Dylan went Robert Tanyan, Devin Singletary, Tony Pollard, one of my more favorite best ball guys in case something would happen to Zeke. I always take him a little bit later in the 11th round, though. Corey Davis, you follow up Adam Troutman, then Hunter Henry comes off the board, Curtis Samuel for Team 5, and then we get to Chris, who takes Mike Williams with his 11th round pick. Yeah, I think they talk about some forgotten players. I think Mike Williams is the guy that gets written off. And in a league like this, where you're just trying to have a couple big weeks and you have the upside, Mike Williams, when he's healthy, is can be productive. He can have the big play. So I think it's some, for me, it's another option at receiver, a guy who can get you some touchdowns, some big play weeks. You know, not somebody necessarily have my roster, my lineup every week, but a guy that I, you know, as you know, with this kind of best ball setup, I can hope that he just goes off a couple of times and I can win a week, week here or there for me. Yeah, I, I, look, he's a big play receiver, and that's what we might get out of him. After that, Baker Mayfield, Henry Ruggs comes off the board. Mikol Harmon, big play guys across the board. And then we get Devontae Parker with Adam. Yeah, uh, Devontae Parker is someone who, you know, a lot of people are, are down on this year. And I was starting to feel that way a little bit, I'll be honest. Um, he's not someone who I'm a huge fan of just because, you know, he doesn't create a lot of separation. Um, but everything, everything we've seen out of camp uh, and even out of the offseason in general has been that Tua is making it a priority to be more aggressive and the team is making it a, a priority to be more aggressive with him on offense. I think Parker is a big beneficiary from that. He's not someone that is obviously open all that often. He's not someone like, um, you know, who's going to just go across the, the middle on a drag and be wide open for a, an easy catch that, you know, he's someone you have to throw open. Um, I think Tua is physically capable of that. I very high on Tua's abilities as a passer. It's just whether he was willing to pull the trigger. Everything I've seen is that he's going to be. And with that, I feel really confident about what uh, Devontae Parker can do. Yeah, you're more confident than I am because I didn't see any chemistry between those two last year. I think it's be all Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle myself. After that, Team 11 sniped the crap out of me because I thought Michael Gallup was definitely going to fall to me there, and I was actually really excited about that, and then he did it. So I take T.Y. Hilton. Carson Wentz is going to be out all year, and I've been big on when Wentz is on the field because he can actually throw the deep ball. I don't believe T.Y. Hilton is done. I believe he can be a big-time receiver or a, a, a big threat receiver, I should say, and have a few big games left in him. So I'm going to take him with my 11th round pick as my fourth receiver, a guy who I think will probably be in my lineup for a few weeks. And I take one of my other sleeper tight ends, Janu Smith. I can't believe he's a sleeper tight end. I thought for sure this is going to be a guy who a lot of people are going to be excited about over the summer with the contract that he signed, the fact that he's going to probably be the number one target pass catcher period for New England Patriots. And yet he's constantly going outside the top 12, which is a huge mistake. Love him for that. Love him for the touchdown possibility. Darnell Mooney follows up, and then we get back to Adam who takes Marvin Jones from Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, these last two picks, the theme for me has been getting the, the bigger guys, getting the, the possession guys, getting the, the guys that are going to get the touchdowns on these teams. If, if you know, These are the guys that in the red zone that I think their quarterbacks are going to look for. Um, you know, Guys like uh, Chenault and Chark and Waddle and Fuller, uh, they're going to be the expl- explosive guys. They might get a couple more receptions. Um, Parker and Jones, this is best ball. I'm looking for, uh, I just want to capitalize on the weeks where they get, uh, they, the teams are in the red zone a lot and the teams, you know, need an option in the red zone. Um, the Jaguars are non-existent at tight end. So I have very little, little worry, um, that 
you know, really anyone else can be that red zone guy, kind of Chark, but, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, and Chenault, I don't see that for him. Uh, Marvin Jones, I will, I will take being uh, the red zone guy on a team that has a, quite frankly, putrid defense. After that goes Michael Pittman, who I thought you were going to go with, and then Kirk Cousins for Team 8. We get back to Team 7, Rondell Moore, and we get to Chris, who takes Nelson Aguilar with his pick. Yeah, I was expecting Rondell Moore to fall to me, so I was a little disappointed that he didn't. But Nelson Aguilar was my consolation prize in a sense. Um, you know, everything I'm hearing, I'm not a Nelson Aguilar fan for the most part. Having said that, everything I hear about him in this offseason has been nothing but positive. He's clearly the best receiver for the Patriots right now. He's clearly being utilized in the offense, no matter who the quarterback is. And he came up a pretty good year last year. So, you know, putting those factors together, somebody's going to catch the ball in New England. Um, so I'm kind of excited. You know, hopefully he has some upside, has a couple of big weeks here there for me. Yeah, he could be the number one wide receiver for the Patriots. I mean, that job's going to be up in the air. We'll see exactly what happens. He surprised people last year. Trey Lance comes off the board after that. Then Kenneth Gainwell. Then we get to Rick. I love the low-value, high-ceiling stack there with Tua Tagovailoa and Will Fuller now in your lineup. Yeah, I was kind of worried because with all the discussion about oh, Tua's going to be able to get the ball, um, um, I was worried about he was going to go ahead and create the stack himself. Uh, then later came back and took Kirk. I wanted Rondell Moore, but he was taken already, so wanted to create the stack with Murray as well. And then Justin Tucker comes off the board. Now, I'm going to put this out there. The computer's stupid. There's a 22-round best ball mock draft. I don't know why kickers and defenses are suddenly coming off the board, but they are. Tucker, Harrison, Buckner, and then Evan Ingram, Baltimore Ravens. Then we get back to Rick, who was Christian Kirk. Rick, you sniped me. I wanted Christian Kirk in the next round here. Talk about him with your pick. Yeah, again, you know, looking for ways to um, differentiate because it is a large tournament, but also looking for ways to create stacks. And um, this way with Kyler Murray, uh, I could have gone either with uh, Kirk or A.J. Green, um, hoping for some upside with Kirk. Uh, although um, uh, Hopkins was just raving on A.J. Green, so uh, may come back. If he comes back around to me, I may pick him up as well. Hey, you go, go, hey, you can't go again. It's best ball. You can't go wrong. Someone's going to do well, and you're going to have it in the, your back corner one way or another. I like Kirk a lot personally. I think A.J. Green, I just don't see from last year what he really has left. But my big thing about Kirk is that they're going to give him the opportunity to play the slot. I think that's where he's always needed to be, and he's always been a, a guy who can stretch the seam from there. So I like that pick quite a bit. That's why I was looking at him myself. After that, Amon Ross St. Brown. Like him, he could be the number one pass catcher for the Lions as the wide receivers, potentially. Zach Ertz comes off the board, and then we get to Chris, who takes Gerald Everett, who could be a sneaky little sleeper there for Seattle. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure he's going to be the starter in Seattle, but I think for everything I'm hearing, he has a good chance to be. And that tight end from that position, you know, he's definitely utilized in the red zone and maybe has some more upside than the other, you know, getting some more volume this year. So I think that this is, a, is a, you know, Seattle's been looking for a tight end for the last couple of years to kind of replace Jimmy Graham, and they be, I think they stumbled onto somebody who's going to be one of the more effective weapons. Can't disagree with that. And then we, after that, you had the Rams defense come off, Jason Sanders come off, and then Austin Hooper. We get back to Adam, who goes John Brown. Yeah, I mean, I'm not high on rugs. Uh, so for me, I, I think it's – I think if John Brown's not the wide receiver one on the Raiders and granted whoever's the wide receiver one is really the wide receiver two because of Waller, but 
nonetheless, I think that Brown will end up being the quote unquote wide receiver one for the Raiders when things are said and done. If not, it's just because of Ruggs draft capital. Um, John Brown is honestly, I, you know, who knows a, you know, where he's at uh, post injury, but uh, at least pre-injury last year, I would have taken him as a better deep threat than Ruggs, to be honest with you, because he can do other things. There's a threat of him doing things other than running a streak. Um, whereas Ruggs, I, that is all I can see him doing. Um, I, I think John Brown's going to be the second best uh, option on that on that receiving core. I tend to be higher on car than the average person. Um, so I, I think that passing offense is not going to be great, but I think it's going to be okay. And so to have the second target on that team potentially, you know, at this point in the draft, I'm okay with it. We saw Nelson Aguilar be a high-end wide receiver three. Somebody has to emerge, and we know how much Gruden loves his veteran wide receiver. So I like the line of thinking there as long as Brown's actually able to stay on the, on the uh, field. Young Hoku comes off for Team 11. I go Jamal Williams, who I, I like a lot because I think Jamal Williams is a guy who can be a flex play in PPR. I think there's going to be a 60-40 split between him and DeAndre Swift across the board in all capacity. Therefore, he's going to have some flex value. But if anything happens to Swift, who does have concussion issues, who is kind of a smaller guy, all of a sudden Jamal Williams is looking at a significant workload, I believe. We saw last year when Aaron Jones went down, Williams be very, very valuable. And then I took Zach Wilson as my third quarterback. I always try to get three three quarterbacks in super flex leagues. I like Zach Wilson for his rushing ability. I like the wide receivers the Jets have in place. More importantly, I like the offensive system and the offensive line they have in place. So Zach Wilson's one of my deeper sleeper quarterbacks, and I was happy to get him there. After that, the Washington defense comes off, and we get back to Adam, who takes, I believe, his first tight. No, his second tight. I guess I forgot you took Travis Kelsey, but you take Jared Cook there in the 14th round. Oh. Yeah, he, he's someone I, I really like as a um... – as a, a late round kind of sleeper tight end, you know, he's historically been pretty solid the last couple of years, really since 2015, um, you know, had before Waller, he, he was a, a top six tight end in Oakland, um, had a really good year in New Orleans before last year when you know, Breeze was out for a while, um, still got seven touchdowns last year, nine the year before, um, big body at worst. I think he's going to be a pretty good red zone threat. And, you know, at best he's for being in his, his mid thirties, he's still a pretty solid athlete at the tight end position. Um, I'm happy to have him at worst for Kelsey's bye weeks. And if he sneaks in a couple times, so be it. Yeah. I, well, here's the other thing. He could sneak into flex position. There is a scenario given Mike Williams injury history that he could wind up being the second or third pass catcher on the Chargers any given week, and maybe one of the red zone guys. I like Jared Cook a lot as a deep sleeper there. After oh, that, given uh, Keenan Allen's injury history too, really. Yeah. After that, Cole Beasley comes off. Tampa Bay comes off. Rodrigo Blankenship comes off, who's actually oddly in a kicker battle with the Colts. And then Chris, I heard you in the background go, "Oh no, guys!" I'm guessing you made a mistake there with the Colts defense. Yeah, I wasn't trying to pick the Colts defense. My my. Phone decided to re, you know reload itself at that moment. I guess because the draft got on pause <laughs> or something, and then all of a sudden I went from picking the Ted and I was trying to pick to picking the Colts defense. This but is a I good lesson moment, on. everybody. Make sure everything you have as far as your devices when you're drafting is up to date. If you're not doing a slow draft, so you don't have technical issues like Chris just did in taking a defense way way too early in a best ball league. Pittsburgh Steelers defense came off after the board after that. Russell Gage, we get back to Rick, who goes J.D. McKissick 
You think JD's going to be able to rekindle what he did a year ago? Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're just looking for possibilities. And, um, you know, again, he's a, a good pass catcher. Uh, they'll obviously try to get Gibson involved in the passing game as well. Um, but I think McKissick was one of the top, if not the top, uh, running back in terms of uh, reception. So um, then again, you know, turf toe, it could slow Gibson down. Um, so it's, it's worth a shot. Yeah, I, look, we don't know. He might. He might we have Antonio Gibson, who got a little bit banged up last year. He's expected to be the guy. But if something were to happen to him, J.D. McKissick, we know, especially for PPR purposes, can be a target monster, uh, especially in a Scott Turner offense who likes to check the ball down quite a bit. We're in that part of the draft, but right now we're just taking shots. After McKissick, Latavius Murray came off the board. I like that pick, actually, about out of Team 2. San Francisco's defense, Philip Lindsay, that's an interesting one in best ball as well because if there's one running back in the Houston room that I think could emerge at some point, it might be Philip Lindsay. Carson Wentz, and we get back to Rick here with Gabriel Davis with the 15th round pick. Yeah, I was wanting to get into the Buffalo passing offense, and it was either Sanders or, or Davis. Uh, I went with the younger of the two, I, uh, I think they're pretty much going to be pretty close in terms of yardage. So um, I think they'll rely on um, Sanders for more across the middle. I think Davis has a shot down the field. So I'd like to see him uh, um, look for the upside that he might offer. All right, real quickly, I want to make sure everybody realizes that we are doing the mock draft for the Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation Belly Up Charity Bowl. Again, all you got to do to sign up is bellyupfantasysports.com. Hit the Belly Up Bowl tab, and you'll be able to fill out all the information that we need to get to you so you can be a part of this big, big tournament league that we are mock drafting for right now to try to help you guys get an edge. I've already drafted. Rick drafted with me. He did an excellent job in his draft too. And we are trying to help you guys out in this while we build up and raise money for childhood cancer with the Alex Lemonade Stand Foundation. So it's for a great cause. So please check it out there at bellyupfantasysports.com and just hit the belly up bowl tab once you get the opportunity to do so. All right. So now we'll... Chris, go ahead. Chris and Adam, you guys talk about your picks back-to-back because I'm up on the clock. Yeah, I went with Anthony first year. I was trying to draft instead of the Colts defense, um, but I wanted to make sure that I had this, my, my last sleeper tight end kind of on the board. This is a guy that I think can still be kind of forgotten about. Tennessee will be more receiver-oriented than they have been without, you know, not having Arthur Smith be the head, you know, offensive coordinator there. But I do think that they're going to continue to utilize tight end. We saw them be very effective for them in the red zone particularly. I think, you know, addition by subtract for Juju Smith moving on to New England, Anthony Fersher should be the starting tight end for the Tennessee Titans this year. Yeah, and then I went to Tatum Coleman. Um, you know, I, I, Michael Carter to me is going to be the guy, but, you know, we're talking a rookie fourth rounder. Um, you know, that that's a pretty volatile position to be in. And Tevin Coleman to me seems to be the only obvious uh person to be on the the benefiting side of that um he's not someone that's been great the past couple of years uh but he does have familiarity with this kind of system and you know even on you know worst case scenario michael carter isn't someone who i think is going to whether he can or cannot doesn't really matter i don't think that he's going to have the opportunity to really shoulder the load um you know he's someone who i think is going to get maybe 60 percent of the the running back uh, you know, usage in that offense, you know, and if I'm 
wrong on the on the low end for Michael Carter, then that I think Coleman's going to be the major beneficiary if there's an injury, you know, whatever. Um, I, I like having a running back from that offense. I like it. I like it. And then, and then, and then, and then came up my back-to-back picks. Marcus Robinson. Love the Marcus Robinson. Everyone's talking about Miko Hartman. They're all excited. They're all excited about the wrong guy because did Marcus Robinson is the guy who actually gets on the field when Sammy Watkins was off for the last two years. He's the one who plays more. I expect him to be the actual starting wide receiver. I'd rather shoot my shot with the other starting receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs, which I believe will be Demarcus Robinson. And then I follow up with Joshua Kelly. Also, there's some charges have already talked about this, even with Joe Lombardi. He comes from a system where he used two running backs anyway. Somebody's going to pair up with Austin Eckler. Somebody's going to be the goal line back. From what I understand, Larry Roundtree's not cutting it. It is going to be Joshua Kelly, most likely. He has come in in shape, or at least they're at least able to give him another opportunity. So I'm just taking some touchdown upside there as we get into the 16th round. After that, Devontae Booker comes off. Then we get back to Adam who actually took the guy I was contemplating with as far as whether I wanted to go Josh Kelly or James Crowder, who he went with. Yeah, and Crowder, I think, uh, you know, I've... Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. I like. I would like to say I'm an early adopter of the of the Elijah Moore hype train this off season. You are. Um, so so uh, you know for for people that that were on that hype train, it was a lot of you know overlooking Crowder. Like I oh, going to pass Crowder. Crowder is going to be the odd man out. Blah 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 blah. But with the sudden real fall of Mims, it kind of leaves a possibility that both are kind of in play. I think more has to be in the slot, but I honestly think that Crowder could still be an intermediate uh, possession receiver kind of guy. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm sure that they'll both get moved around again. Um, this is that LaFleur slash McVeigh slash um, uh, Shanahan type of offense. You know, they're all a little similar. They like to use that jet sweep to swing guys open a lot. There's going to be a lot of movement. And that means that I don't think that you know, with the two that there's going to be one true slot receiver. Um, we've joked a ton of times on this show about uh, the Rams having way too many slot receivers. Um, so I, I think they're going to figure out a really good role for Crowder. I think they want to use Crowder. Otherwise, they wouldn't be eating his his uh, money. Um, but yeah, I, I think at this point of the draft, I'm willing to bet on Zach Wilson, the passer. Again, uh, I've brought this up for other guys before with that putrid defense that the Jets have. I like it. I like it. And then after that, Cleveland Browns comes off the board. Rashad Penny in the 16th round. I guess he might still value if Chris Carson gets hurt if he's actually healthy himself. Who knows? Kadarius Tony comes off. And then we get to Chris, who goes with Terrace Marshall. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge Terrence Marshall fan, but I also think that you have an opportunity for him, you know, to be pretty productive as a third receiver in Carolina. I'm not a Sam Darnold fan, but I also think that he tends to throw to the slot receivers historically. And Terrence Marshall, from everything I understand, is going to be playing that slot receiver for this offense. One of the receivers is actually out there right now. Carolina's kind of had some, you know, that injury bug kind of plagued the receivers like a lot of teams have. Um, so from everything I understand, Terrence Marshall's actually been heavily involved early on in, in camp, and it's somebody that they're looking to kind of utilize in his first year. Yeah, I don't disagree because he is a guy who's who played with Joe Brady before. Joe Brady knows how to use him, and they've been hyping him up. Uh, quite a bit throughout the training camp. I'm with you there. Next up, Paris Campbell goes off the board, Greg Zerlin, and then we get to Rick, who goes with Blake Jarwin, a guy who's kind of gotten forgotten about in the Dallas offense. Yeah, he was hurt, um, but when he was with Dak at the start of the season and last year, I think he's um, going to be a, a big part of their offense and, again, trying to get a part of a big offense. And then Javian Hawkins goes out, and that's that's a sleeper guy who's on my board as a potential pass catcher out of the Atlanta backfield. Daniel Jones for Team One, and then we have Darrington Evans. Uh, just I don't think anybody besides Derrick Henry is going to be on the field still, but if something were to ever happen to Derrick Henry, who knows? Le'Veon Bell, pretty sure he's not on the team there, Team Two. And then we get back to Rick going to Jacoby Myers. I like the value there. Yeah, he's the wide receiver one it's not a big offense not a big passing offense um may perk up when mac jones gets uh to take over the position um but um again he's a wide receiver one yeah he was he was a strong wide receiver too without really scoring any touchdowns last year with cam newton when they didn't have everybody else to go to the ball to especially in ppr so i kind of like the value there quite a bit then after that you get the new england patriots you get the matt prater and then chris Talk about your boy, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I think that Pittsburgh has one of the better offenses. You look at the talent they have in place, adding Najee Harris in the backfield, those three receivers on four receivers deep, adding another tight end to the mix. I think Ben Roethlisberger has an concept about Aaron Roethlisberger having an you know, extra grind. I think Ben Roethlisberger has loved historically when he's been written off and basically told he's not any good. I think his arm's going to be more than it was last year. And people kind of forget Pittsburgh was 12-0, and that offense was doing pretty well. And Ben Roethlisberger, a big part of why that offense was doing well. So I think if he returns to form with the weapons he has in place, he has a lot of upside. Yeah, career low in yards attempt. You have to expect that to go up at least a little bit unless his arm has completely fallen off. We'll see this season, but he has a lot of weapons there. After that, Derek Carr came off the board, James White, Tyler Bass. And then we get to Adam, who takes one of my guys I think consistently gets forgotten about, and that's Sterling Shepard. Yeah, uh, what excites me really about Sterling Shepard, um, I, I think he's going to get more opportunities to play out of the slot this season. Um, you know, with having a, a true one, you know, he's kind of been forced into that role uh, a lot over the pretty much since Odell left. Um, now that with Galladay no longer the case, uh, I think he's going to be that two receiver in, uh, in two wide receiver sets. But once we get three out, uh, I think Shep's going to be, you know, in the slot a lot more. And I think that really bodes well for him. Um, you know, I, I like him a lot this season, at least as a sleeper. Yeah, I like the fact he gets back into his natural position and that Daniel Jones, at the end of the day, is a check down quarterback. So that's right in his territory. Uh, Sony Michelle comes off the board. He could be interesting if he gets cut. There might be a destination he winds up at that maybe he gets some sleeper value here. Again, one in the 17th round of a best ball league. And then I got up when my back-to-back picks – Decided to take two guys who 
should have some volume headed their way. Emmanuel Sanders signs a one-year, $8 million deal. I believe he will get the opportunity early on to be the second pass catcher in that Buffalo Bills offense, a high-volume offense, so I'm taking a shot there. And then I'm not excited about this pick, but it is the 18th round, and I took Traquan Smith. Somebody has to catch balls at the wide receiver position for the Saints until Michael Thomas comes back. Uh, I'm not a fan of his, but again, 18th round, I'll take a guy who should have some opportunity at least. And then after that, Daryl Williams comes off the board. Mac Jones finally comes off the board with Adam here. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to pass cam sooner or later. You know, when that is just remains to be seen. I know if you um, had to take one guess, when would that be? I, I think cam's going to get a couple weeks just because of how much Belichick has historically loved his veterans and doesn't want to play rookies, but his hand's going to get forced whether that's injuries or uh, just putrid play or, you know, whatever it is, you know, I, I think if, at some point he has to put in Mac Jones. Mac Jones, from everything I've seen out of camp, seems to be better. Um, I, I like Mac Jones a lot. Uh, he was my QB4 coming out. Uh, and I think that's even lower than uh, both you and uh, Chris. Uh, so I think we're all in agreement that Mac Jones is a good player. I think he's better for really all of the Pittsburgh or all, all of the uh, New England, excuse me, pass catchers as well um, for what it's worth. Uh, overall, I, I would pretty happy with him being my QB three. And, you know, if, if all he does is play bye weeks, I'm cool with that. If not, if more love it. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see exactly when he takes over, if he, in fact, does get that opportunity. Gene Bernard comes off the board for week nine. I actually kind of like that value in a PPR league. Then Marlon Mack, Salvin Ahmed, and then we get to Chris, who, for some stupid reason, takes Brevin Jordan, who's never going to see the field this year. But go ahead. <laughs> yes, we know you. We took our draft. Protect we had our draft your you, boy. Big, go ahead. A big fan of Brevin Jordan. Unlike you, I do think that um, – Texans will have some completions this year and they have to throw the ball to somebody other than Brandon Cooks, who you don't think is going to be any good anyway. Um, but I think Nico Collins isn't that second receiver. I think the tight end is actually going to be that second guy. I think Revan Jordan's got a clear pathway to playing time. I think it doesn't matter really who the quarterback is, whether it's going to be, you know, Mills throughout the season, which it's Taylor. He's going to be a guy who's around this line of scrimmage. We saw Davis Coley coming from that that Peyton Raven system where they heavily use the tight end and Mark Andrews. I think this guy has kind of a similar role that he's asked to play for the Texas offense. Yeah. It's not going to be the tight end position. Brevin George is not even going to start. So I don't know where you're going with that, but we disagree. Go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> we got to move on. Mark Ingram uh, goes off the board. Jameis Winston. And then we get the Rick who goes Larry Roundtree taking my handcuff from Joshua Kelly. Yeah. He's the only um, healthy running back off the, um, on the Chargers, so I thought I'd give a shot with them. Can't, can't disagree with that line of thinking, especially this late in the draft. Elijah Mitchell comes off, another guy who's kind of a similar realm, or Ron J. Stevenson, Pat Fearmouth, A.J. Green, and then Xavier Jones. You're taking the handcuffs of Darrell Henderson. I like that value there. Yeah, there, he's getting some good reviews already um, in camp, and so um, I'm thinking, you know, Daryl Henderson hasn't, really survived the whole season. So, um, you know, unless they go out and get a, uh, a veteran uh, running back to back up Henderson, then um, Xavier is probably going to be the first shot for them. 
Yeah, it's. I still believe they're going to bring somebody in, but as it stands right now, they have it. And yeah, not betting on Daryl Henderson to play 17 games, I think would be a smart thing to bet on. Uh, Brashad Perryman goes, then Tim Tebow. That's that's even, Chris, I'll give you a pass on the Brevin Jordan thing because Tim Tebow going is even dumber than Brevin Jordan. And then you got Miami Dolphins, who Chris takes there uh, with his pick. Yeah, I was looking to try to start adding to some defensive options. And then Chris left because he had enough, apparently. He, t- he took my Brevin Jordan insult to heart and left us all behind. Hopefully he'll get himself back in soon. Sammy Watkins came off the board after that. Nico Collins, Van Jefferson. And then we get back to Adam, who took Kansas City. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they're a defense that on the high end can get a lot of turnovers. Um Last season was a little bit of a down year in regards to them as a fantasy defense, but it's been pretty good the two years um, before. Um, you know, they've got a, a couple solid players there on the back end, uh, namely uh, Tyron Matthew, um, some some decent pass rush. And, you know, they're a team that's going to force shootouts, which normally isn't great for fantasy defenses. But what it does do is put opposing quarterbacks in a position where that you know they feel like they need to make plays to keep up, and you know keeping up uh, against a good secondary is a little tough. It'll force you into some bad decisions, and some bad decisions mean turnovers, and turnovers mean fantasy points. Can't disagree with that line of thinking. After that, Brian Edwards comes on. I finally take my first defense and kicker here in a 19th and 20th round. I think the Denver Broncos, a lot of people are sleeping on this defense, I believe. I think there's going to be a lot of sacks here. Von Miller's back healthy. Bradley Chubb's back healthy. Vic Vanjo is an excellent head coach. They added to that secondary. But people are going to look, watch out. This is going to be a Broncos defense of old. And then I take Robbie Gold because he's as reliable as they come. On the 49ers, they kick a lot of field goals, not a lot in the red zone. So I go Robbie Gold there, too. Eric Ebron comes off, and then we're waiting for Adam to make his pick. We're waiting for Chris to find his way back to the studio, wherever rabbit hole he just fell through and and left us all behind. We'll see exactly what happens there. Uh, As he's doing that, though, I'll talk about the Alex Lemonade Stand Foundation this is what this mock draft is for. Again, we are trying to raise money to help fight against childhood cancer. All you got to do is go to bellyupfantasysports.com, hit the belly up bowl, and then you will be able to sign up. We'll send you all the information and we'll be able to get in this big tournament that we are in. So everybody go ahead and check that out. I'm starting to worry because now Chris is on the clock and he's not picking. And I wonder if he's completely just shut down. No, he did pick. So he's somewhere. He's somewhere in the atmosphere. Uh, so after Adam made his pick, he took Ryan Suckup, Tampa Bay kicker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, you know, get a kicker on a good offense. It's really all uh, all I'm really thinking here. He was pretty solid last year uh, after leaving Tennessee. Hey, Chris made it. He's alive. He made a power surge over here. That was fun. Oh, right man. I thought, you, I thought you just took my Brevin Jordan insult to heart and said, you know what? I'm out. Screw you guys. I'm going home like South Park. Uh, Chris, your your pick while you're in the atmosphere there was Will Lutz, usually one of my favorite kickers, but I don't know how I feel about the Saints offense right now. Yeah, I mean, I can understand your concerns, but we do think Sean Payton's you know, a very much been an innovator. They play in the Dome. I think they're actually going to rely on kind of their defense and their kicking game to kind of win them games early on. We've seen this kind of MO before when Drew Brees has been injured. They had Michael Thomas out for a period of time last year. So I think this is going to kind of be a similar offense we've already seen before where they try to play defense and grind the ball out, and you're going to see Will that's kind of be utilized as a weapon. Yeah, the Dome the dome thing definitely helps out quite a bit. 
Uh, after that, Marquez Valdez Scantling goes, OJ Howard goes, and then Rick t- takes the Buffalo Bills defense. Yeah, at this point, I was actually debating between them and New Orleans, and um, Buffalo, I think, is ranked a little bit higher, so um, I went with them. It's cold there in the winter, um, especially in December, January time frame, so hoping that that could add to some turnovers. Yeah, I think their defense underachieved last year, and I think they're more talented than what they showed a year ago when they didn't have such a great year. Diane Brown comes off the board, Quintez Cephas, Hayden Hurst, Darius Slayton, and then you take your first kicker, Daniel Carlson from the Raiders. Um, combination of inside and not the greatest offense, so hoping that gives them a chance for more long uh, field goal attempts. Yeah, lack of touchdown usually does lead the field goal, so I think you're okay there. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge comes off the board, Boston Scott. Then we get back to Chris, takes his second kicker because he wants to cover that bye week with Mason Crosby. And then I want to make sure I have some upside there as well. So, yeah, I'm going with the guy that I've been pretty consistent um, week in, week out. Start to Green Bay's offense to continue to be pretty good. Don't love that di- the defense in most of that division, so I think that Green Bay should be scoring some points, and I hope that you know, Crosby is a guy that benefits from that. Look, and that's an interesting thing. That's that's debate in some of these best ball leagues that have defenses and kickers. Do you take two defenses and two kickers so that way you'd always have one, even if one's on the bye week, or do you just take two extra players and say, you know what, whenever they're on their bye week, screw it. I'm more the mindset of I'm gonna take two defenses, two kickers. Again, you get some upside, it's best ball. So whoever performs more, you get those points and you make sure your bye week's covered. You don't want positions where you're getting zero points when points can be had, I believe. Uh Adam, he I guess he believes that too, because he took Seattle's defense as his second one to Kansas City. What do you think their outlook looks like? Yeah, uh, look, I, I'm not going to lie to you and say that they've got some superstar roster on defense. They've you know, got a handful of solid players in Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner, obviously, and a couple, uh, couple Seattle mainstays in Bruce Irvin and um, the – who am I thinking of? Um, well, regardless, they've got a couple Seattle mainstays. That's it. That's all it is. Jordy Brooks. Yeah, (laughs) that might, I don't know. Uh, regardless, they've been a, a top 12 fantasy defense for a hot sec now since at least 2016, according to sleeper. So I'll just take that consistency. Uh, I've got one defense and I'm, you know, thinking is going to be a more of an aggressive pick and Seattle's, you know, consistently pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, they can't be any worse than last year. They played better towards the second half of the year. Uh, Damian Williams goes off the board. I take the Chargers defense. I want to thank all of you for letting my top sleeper defense fall to me here. Uh, look, we know they're the drilled the Chargers. They can't stay healthy. But just in the off chance that they can, when you add Staley from the Rams last year, Derwin James should be healthy. They have Joey Bosa. They have a lot of talent on that defense. I like them a lot if they can be on the field especially in a best ball league. I'll take them there with Denver. And then I take Jason Myers. I just want a kicker in a high-volume offense who should have opportunities to score uh, week in and week out. Mo Cox comes off. I wish Mo Cox would ever get his chance. I don't know he ever will. And now he had the Colts kind of in flux in the offense in general. And then we have Adam taking forever to select, I guess, the second kicker. I don't know what's, what's taking him so long. I was trying to make sure that they were still on the roster because it's getting pretty deep because of the uh, computer taking a lot of kickers early. <laughs> Takes Jake Elliott, who I can confirm is still on the roster. Yes. What do you oh, think about and, the Eagles uh, offense? I-, I finally figured it out. Uh, KJ Wright, who was, was that other player I was thinking of. 
Nah. We got to say about your Jake Elliott pick while Chris is on the board. Uh, not much in that he's on the, the Philadelphia roster, which is something that is tough to say about a lot of the guys uh, remaining. The kicker, a lot of kicker battles is looking very desolate, uh, at least in regards to solidified uh, starting kickers. I was kind of surprised he didn't go Zane Gonzalez there, considering he had a pretty good fantasy year last year. Uh, with a high-scoring Arizona Cardinals offense. I don't believe, at least to my knowledge, he is in a kicker battle. Um, Chris is trying to figure out which crappy defense to take a shot on. Hmm. Yeah, you guys kind of took away my board right here. <laughs> Some guys I thought I mean, was going to be there. You know like, what? Uh, if you're like, hey, no, I'm looking at a bottom 32 defense, and maybe in that case, maybe you do go with a position player instead. Uh, that might be one of the situations you do it and say, you know what? It is worth the bye week because having a bottom having a bottom tier 32 defense, and you could get negative points. It might not help you out at all. Uh, so that's something to kind of think about when you get into these best ball leagues. Uh, while Chris is still figuring it out, or do you have it figured out? All right, go ahead. You took you he took my advice there and goes Cam Newton, which I don't mind that at all. Yeah, I mean, even though I only get a couple weeks out of Cam, I do think Matt Jones eventually gets this job. I don't know if it'll be this year or at some point this year. But, you know, everything we're hearing that Cam Newton will be a starter for New England, have every opportunity to be that guy. I think this team kind of showed you in the offseason they retooled to be a very much physical team. They added two tight ends. They added Brown to the tackle position. They're going to be big. They're going to be strong. And, you know, we know Cam Newton likes to run the ball. If he has any bit of an arm, he should be pretty decently effective and at least have a floor and have some upside where, like you talked about in this league, you want to have guys you can kind of throw out there and make one new week here or there. All right. It might have been me, actually. I might have been freezing there. I'm not sure. Uh, Rick, he gets the Saints defense. Somebody you talked about possibly taking two rounds ago, so I guess you're pretty happy about that. Yeah, although, you know, this is where I wasn't counting the number of um, rounds left, and so, you know, I come up with only one kicker, um, and I agree with you. I think, you know, you'd rather not take that zero if you can avoid it. Yeah, one of those things just always keep in mind of, but again, with it being kicker, not the end of the world. So that wraps up the draft. Uh, what we're going to do, Rick, I want you to grade all of us in your mind because that's what we're going to go with. So grade the four of us while you're doing that and looking through our lineups and tell me, getting together your thoughts on what you think. Guys, one last time, Alex Lemonade Stand Foundation. It's a great cause. I'm trying to raise money for childhood cancer. All you got to do is sign up, bellyupfantasysports.com. Hit the Belly Up Bowl tab. Sign up the form. We'll get all the information out to you guys. Uh, you know, it's it's really a great tournament, great group of guys. We're all having a lot of fun, a lot of fantasy experts. So you get to compete against some of the best in the industry, not just from Belly Up, but from a lot of different networks have joined as well. There are several spots still open. We're going to be holding drafts all throughout August. We're going to keep it open. Uh, so you guys make sure you join again, bellyupfantasysports.com and just sign up at the belly up bowl tab. Really a great cause here for the Alex lemonade stand uh, foundation. So Rick, are you ready? Yeah, of course. Um, of course I give myself an A. <laughs> I would, I would be mad at you if you didn't. <laughs> two powerful quarterbacks starting off. I survived the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, taking you know, running backs later. Um, and and I have a you know one of the top two uh, tight ends. Um, the I really like your team at the end. I think that yeah I might have gone with Josh Allen to make the Diggs um, stack, um, but um, of course you know L. Jax is going to get a lot of yards on the ground, 
Um, and, you know, they're saying that his passing is actually improving this year. So uh, um, I think that you know, we'll see a little bit better balance in their offense. Um, love Scary Terry. Um, love Chris Carson. Um, so if anyone has won this draft, I think it's uh, Team 12. Um, who, um, Thank I you, sir. Pulled that off. But, um, you know, again, it's kind of hard with all the, the auto picks coming through um, yeah. since there were some, you know, odd selections uh, based on formatting and stuff like that. But um, all in all, I mean, I'd be happy taking any of these teams in the battle. So I think we're all good. You heard it from Rick. I win. Chris, Adam, you guys suck. <laughs> that's going to do it for us. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Adam, what are we talking about in two weeks? Yeah, we're going to do a, a regular uh, redraft, uh, one of these mock drafts. So we will we'll hope that, that Sleeper's uh, uh, automated picks can be a little bit more accurate so we can give you guys a, a really good uh, understanding of, of some strategies to, to win your redraft leagues. Maybe we'll find every solver because this is the second mock draft we've done with Sleeper where we've, we've gotten some weird selections based on format. Uh, Chris, you and I are going to be on twice this week. We're on Thursday from 11 a.m. 12.30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and at BellyUpMDFF Show. Of course, we'll be available to you guys on your favorite pod streaming apps as well. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, wherever. We are pretty much everywhere at this point. We got, we got, what, we got the standard mock draft this Thursday. That we're going to do. And then we also have uh, our best five, bus five, sleeper five quarterbacks. That'll be kicking off our series. That'll pretty much our episode of Friday. We'll do the quarterbacks next week, the running backs, following week, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. We're going to skip the defenses and the kickers. But we're gonna, we got the quarterbacks this week on Friday. Uh, anything that people should be looking forward to these two shows coming up? Yeah, I think that you know, breaking down the quarterbacks while people kind of forget about them, as we see in a league like this, they can be very important. So we wanted to kind of get share with you guys that we think have some high upside, some guys that we're kind of a little worried about, and some guys that we think that, you know, you might kind of, kind of want to keep your eyes on because they're going to be the top five quarterbacks this year going into the season. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys, everybody, you know, make sure you're following us at Belly Up Fantasy where you have constant content coming out. It's going to be ramping up even more so. Now we're getting closer to the season. Uh, again, we'll be on in two weeks. So everybody check us out again, 830 at Belly Up Fantasy to catch that show. We'll see you guys all real soon. And everybody have a wonderful evening. Don't draft Tony Eason. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.